hearts, and so uh, we would we would love to be able to meet with you about that as well. So, um, I think that's all of our announcements this morning, guys. This morning it is it's I'm so excited to be able to have uh, John and Saucy here with us. And um, John, like I said earlier, he is he is our pastor. He's mine and Jesse's pastor, and he and Saucy have been staying with Chrissy and I over this last week as they've been in town, and we've had a great time, a lot of laughs, staying up way too late, you know, and just talking and everything else. But it's just been been a great time, and I am. Really excited about what God is going to speak to us through him today. So, John, come on up, please. So we can give him a hand. They gave me one earlier, so I figured I'd better hold on to it. So, Amen. Well, it's... A privilege to be here with you this morning. Uh, I'm probably going to throw this water on the floor once or twice, so I'll leave. I'll leave the lid on. You know, well, I'm fat, so when I bend over, it's hard. There's no air down there. Anybody else have that problem? You know, I don't know when it happened. One day I bent over and I about passed out, so I decided since then I'm not doing that anymore. You know, everything's got to be up here. It used to be I'd drop things and I'd pick them up. Don't do that no more, you know. I don't know what age that happens. I mean, but I'm there, you know. I don't sleep all night long, you know. I, all the stuff that comes with being old. And, and uh, but, you know, you could tell me later what's to come, you know, and educate me a little bit. And so met this beautiful couple over here this morning. And uh, if you ever been to a carnival where they guess weight or age or something like that, I would have lost everything to them. I would have never guessed their age or anything. So it was wonderful to to get to know them. Uh, I want to greet you from Life Church in Rolla, Missouri. Amen. That's where we pastor. Amen. So yeah, they uh, uh, they gave and have been spending extra special time in prayer just to be believing for you guys while we're up here and everything. There's also other churches, too many too. Uh, go over, but just thank you to all of those that even if any of them is tuning in this morning, um, we appreciate them and all that they do. Uh, I want to let you know that you're not ever alone. Amen. Even though it feels like it. I mean, you're in a, you're in a different place. Me and Saucy was pastoring in Alaska and, uh, people that, uh, ministered up there a lot and everything. They, a lot of them would get discouraged and quit and all kinds of stuff because they felt like they was there alone. We was on this little island in the middle of nothing and it rained all the time. There wasn't a such thing as sun. I mean, it was crazy. And, uh, but people would always feel like they're alone. I go overseas and do a lot of different things with missions and, and a lot of people are always singing they're alone and everything. And it's just a big lie that the enemy uses to try to discourage the church. And, uh, you know, as long as we're in fellowship with one another, we're worshiping God, right? We're never alone. There's people always praying for you, whether they ever meet you or not. Amen. There's some elderly people in my life that when I met them, they was on death's door and they would tell me, man, you know, Hey, you know, pastor, there's, there's nothing I can give anymore. You know, I, I have no money anymore. I have no health anymore. You know, all I, all I have to do is I'm stuck in this house and, and there's nothing that I can do. I can't do anything anymore. And And I'd say, well, quit whining, quit being a baby, 
Stop doing that. As long as you're sucking air in and pushing it out, God has a call and a plan for you. And the moment that you buy into a lie that it's anything else than that, then yes, die and be miserable, right? But that's not God's plan. As long as there's things going, man, there's a plan and purpose. And these guys would pray for me and intercede for me because I need that. I've got a big mouth. I say the wrong things all the time. I go to difficult countries and in the midst of war, I'm running around with a bright yellow shirt that says Jesus on it. And the Muslim people are like, we need to kill him. That guy right there. (laughs) I don't understand what he's saying, but it's not good, right? And uh, so I need all these prayers. And and uh, one story, I, I love it. I may have shared it before, but I gave this encouragement to uh, an elderly lady that was bedridden, homebound, uh, dying of cancer, everything else. And uh, she was telling me her local church had abandoned her. And, and, and so I told her, I said, hey, quit being a baby. You know, you need to pray. God has you alive for something. You can at least pray, right? And so uh, I'd met her through some family members and so she was staying involved with us. And so it come to a time to where she'd been kicking it like 10 more years. She was supposed to have been dead before the year was out, but she was a fighter, right? And so 10 more years go by, family calls and says, hey, you're gonna have to come. Grandma It's not gonna make it through the night. She's non-responsive, you know, and you need to come. And, and I'm like, okay. And so in the middle of the night, I'm running up there and I go and, and it was a horrible room, pitch black, machines, right? And as soon as my foot crosses over the threshold to come into the room, she j- sits up in bed and she says, preacher, don't pray for me. And I'm like, well, you're your kids and grandkids wanted me to come up here and pray for you. She said, I've done everything that you've asked. And she said, I've lived 10 years longer than what I was supposed to live. And she said, most of my children are all dead. All my friends are dead. She said, I have nothing else. She said, I want to go home. And I said, okay, that sounds cool, right? I laid my hands on her. I prayed for peace. She laid down, was finished, right? And uh, her family was like, you know, preacher, why didn't you pray for her to be risen again? You prayed for her before. We got 10 years. Why didn't you do it? And I said, man, she was ready to go. It was her time. Besides, I was a little bit afraid if I would have tried to pray for her, she'd hurt me, you know? (laughs) She... She, she wasn't like saying, please, you know, she was pretty, pretty adamant about it. And, uh, so there's people, this woman, you, you, you would have never met her. But as soon as, sorry, Ron, as soon as, uh, Chris and Jesse had took over pastorate here, that woman prayed for you, whether you was involved in the church then or not. See, so we all have a part. It's all job for each and every one of us to do. So even if someday you're just kicking it and everything, you're like that fat guy that was up there preaching that time. I feel like I need to pray for that guy. Go ahead and throw it up because I'm probably mouthing at somebody that wants to hurt me. And you're probably going to save my life. I got a gazillion grandchildren right now. I've got to be around a little bit for them. And so just continue to pray. Well, I have something for you this morning that's a little bit different. And so can you go ahead and put that up for me? 
I have a Jeep for sale. I think it's an 08. I mean, it uh, is a nice looking Jeep. It don't have a whole lot of miles. Really, for a Jeep, it has very little miles. I have the keys to this Jeep. Okay, I have them right up here. I better put them in my pocket. One of you guys will come grab them before I get any money. But, you know, I don't have the title to it. Right? But you can buy it and I can give you the keys. Right? Without a title. Matter of fact, that'll be cheaper for you if we do that. (laughs) Cash only. Don't Venmo me or anything else. That all you guys do, because I don't even know about that stuff. And But cash, I'll take cash. You can get it really, really cheap, right? Now, if you want the title, we can get the title. You know, we can get the title. It's going to take a little bit longer. It's going to cost you a lot more money, okay? And uh, But if you're okay with a short-term investment and having fun real quick, I mean... Cheap entertainment. I can vouch only for the fact I know it can go to Pagosa Springs and back at the top of the the speed that it'll go. Because some of these mountains, it's not well on. But going downhill, this mother will tack out. I mean, <laughs> and it, you know, went off-road, not in any mud or anything. I think it has a skid plate. If not, it's got a good frame. And, you know, so... You know, it, it seems like a great vehicle. So after church, if you want to get with me, you know, we can negotiate on that. That was all free. That had nothing to do with what I wanted to share. But the title of this morning's message is investments. Amen. Investments. And you're like, wait a minute. You're supposed to be talking about the Bible, right? Amen. Well, I decided to quit using the Bible. You know, everybody's done that. You know, I'm a, no, I'm teasing. Some of you guys are like, oh my God, this guy's weird. What? Huh? But investments and everything. I want you to uh, turn with me to John 3.16. We know this, right? I mean, if you've watched any sports ever. But I've noticed now they don't put this up there as often. You know? But uh, John 3.16. This is, this is a great scripture. Everybody should know this, right? For God so loved the world. That he gave his one and only son, right? Huh? That whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Amen? And we all know that passage of scripture. You've been in church any amount of time. If you're going, I don't know this scripture, I want to invite you to give your heart to Jesus. Amen? It's okay. No shame in that game, right? Huh? It's a good thing to do. But, but for God so loved the world, right? For God so loved the world. It wasn't that God was looking for a servant, any other kind of thing, something like that, that for God so loved the world. The next passage of scripture is in Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10. And it says, if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. And it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and you are saved. Amen? Both those scriptures are great and wonderful. And if you're a born-again believer this morning, amen, you know these passages of scripture, right? Right? This is a short-term investment by you. Right? This is a short-term investment by you. You really didn't sacrifice anything to become a Christian. You know? Now, some of you may say, well, my belief or my culture or whatever, you don't understand where I've come from or, you know, I've led young people to the Lord in the Middle East 
and it costs him something, right? There's different places in the world to where asking Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, there is a cost to it, but he's the one that paid the ultimate cost. He's the one that paid the price that you couldn't pay. Even if you feel like that it cost you something or you had some form of a sacrifice that that you needed to, to do to be a Christian, it costs you maybe a little bit more than somebody else, but I guarantee you that it wasn't much of a cost for you. See, because God so loved the world, he sent his son Jesus to be slaughtered, to be beaten, to be ridiculed, to be misunderstood, to be made fun of, and he was perfect. Jesus never did anything wrong. It's hard for me to believe that because he came as a baby, right? My children, even when they was little, did a whole lot of wrong, right? I mean, I'm just thinking, he never disobeyed once, you know? But he was perfect in everything that he did. Now, there was a great cost that was in that. But for you and for a lot of Christian people, huh? it's a short-term investment. You know, believe in your heart, confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you'll be saved. That's what the other scripture just said, right? Because it's with your heart that you believe, with your mouth that you confess, and therefore it is happened. In that instant, in that moment, whether you're perfect or not, and you're not, uh, you pass from death to life, right? From darkness to light. And that was a small investment. That was a small investment. Now your small investments always have a longer term to it, right? Huh? But in the beginning, there's some small investments. I do a lot of business stuff. I'm making investments all the time. I just got into the stock market stuff here not too long ago and done really well. I was really surprised. I listened to people smarter than me. And so that was kind of fun, you know, but I, uh, when I walk into situations, I always determine in the beginning if it's going to be a short-term investment or a long-term investment, just going into the housing uh, part of it and not anything else. When I go to look at a property, I'll start walking through the property and I'm like, is this going to be a quick flip for me? Is this something I'm going to put X amount of dollars in? Then I'm going to turn around in three months or less and sell this for this much profit. It's a short-term investment. I'm looking to get in and get out and make max for what I'm doing. Long-term investment, I look at it and say, hey, this is something that I'm going to own for a long time. Maybe my children's children maybe have it if God tarries, you know? So I'm going to put this much more, and it may take me a little bit more to get it done, and I'm only just going to make so much every month, but over a long term, it's going to be something that'll be profitable, okay? And so... Just like those of you that was thinking, well, you know, I'll buy that Jeep and take those keys, right? Because short term, <laughs> like me, I didn't pay anything for it. It was somebody let me use it, but, you know, technical things. Uh, <laughs> possession is nine-tenths of the law. I've been driving this mother around, right? And so... So you can have a lot of fun with a small investment, you know, either until you tear it up, uh, the police come and take it from you, uh, 
uh, you'd have to be not smart here to get caught by that because I'm thinking there's so many places to hide, you know, uh, and or, you know, the tag goes out and it's time to, you know, do that or you tear it up or whatever, you know, but, but a small investment for a lot of fun. Trust me, trust me, a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, but, but, but our salvation, those first two scriptures, even though it should lead into a long-term investment, right? When I gave my heart to Jesus, I didn't just give it to him for a short time, right? Share a little bit of my testimony with you. I didn't put this in my, my notes, but I was 17 when I gave my heart to the Lord. Amen. I wasn't raised in church. Um, I love to tell everybody I was raised by a pack of wolves, you know, it's the Thompson family. We have our own crest. I won't show it to you. It's not nice. But uh, so I was on the play pass program at school back in the day, kids. If you was a good athlete, you didn't have to learn. I know it's sad, isn't it, that they've got so many rules now. And uh, I've done fine, you know. And uh, But I was violent. I had a lot of issues. I was molested and beaten as a child. Um, uh, horrifically, not just somebody was not nice to me and spoke poorly of me. It was very violent, very horrible. And, uh, for a long time, uh, I, I used to be too little to defend myself. Right. Then I got big game changer. Huh? And, but I still had all this hate and rage. And, uh, so when I give my heart to the Lord, it's the first time that I heard a message of love. First time that I'd heard that even though, see, because I felt horrible, I felt filthy, I felt vile, I was ashamed. Uh, it wasn't my choice. My mother would give me to people to do things to me at a young age. And, and, but I, I still felt nasty. Amen? Anybody been there? Then I grew up a little bit, and guess what I started doing? I started doing nasty. I started hurting people. I started being enraged and losing my temper at all kinds of stuff. I'd been kicked out of some of the best schools in Missouri. And uh, <laughs> over and over and over again, you know. Uh, I was uh, on probation. They sent me to, to counseling, you know, court-ordered counseling. Some of you, if you've ever done that, it's a little bit of a joke. I'm sorry if you're in that field. But uh, I manipulated the system, worked it. For myself, uh, just continued to get in worse and worse stuff. My mind was so jacked up and mixed up that my counselors, the shrink that I was seeing, put in my paperwork that there's his reasoning of right and wrong is so distorted. It's it's he's not going to be able to function in society. And you know they put a little deal in there. You know they you know he'll either you know, not make it very long or he'll be incarcerated for the rest of his life. That was my big dream, I apparently. And uh, I had learning disabilities. I couldn't really read. Anything over a three-syllable word was really hard for me. And, uh, but I'd give my heart to Jesus. I was in a little church like this. Somebody preached a super simple message. Jesus grabbed a hold of my heart and just squeezed that mother, Right? Huh? And I'm thinking, there is no way, there is no way this guy can talk about me, right? He's saying, confess with your mouth, believe in your heart. Jesus, Lord, you'll be saved. I'm thinking, you don't know what I've done, 
right? I ain't going to tell you all the things I've done because you won't listen to what I have to say for the rest of it, right? But I've done some horrible things. You know, by the time I was 17, I did more than what most people do in their whole life. That's not good, you know? And uh, I'm thinking there's just no way. He's talking about him washing your sins away. You'll be white as snow and pure. And I'm thinking this loser does not know who he's talking to. But man, I couldn't get away from it, right? I left that church and I thought, man, I got to be a better person, right? I'm going to drink less. I'm going to do less drugs. I'm going to take advantage of women less, not totally, just less. And, uh, I'm going to steal less. I'm going to, you know, all these things less. And so I go back home and, uh, cause this was in Oklahoma. I was visiting my mother. I go back home to Missouri immediately. What was left there for me to visit with is my old friends. Now I was the leader of the pack. Everybody listened to what I said to do. We was crazy. We did crazy stuff, but there was a new guy. It's like, man, I heard you like to party. I said, oh, yes, sir, that's me, right? But up to this point, I wasn't doing a lot of drugs or anything. I was doing a lot of other stuff. And so then I got deep into drugs, trying to fix myself, trying to make myself. I hated who I was. I was trying to fix myself because I hated hurting people, but I felt like I had to or they'd hurt me and on and on and on. And and so my promise to God, I was going to do less, I did more. And I got in more trouble. And then they was going to send me to this scared straight program where you got to go in prison with those guys and they'd be mean to you and all sort of kind of stuff. And so I was like, man, that's, that's not good. I went back to visit my mother and my sister had given her heart to the Lord. She was married to one of the biggest drug dealers in our area at the time. And, and I saw a change in her and I thought, man, you know, I need to probably listen to what this says. I go again. I'm listening to this sermon. Great. My pastor is insane. And I uh, love the guy. I mean, how old is Brother Danny now? Yeah, 73, 75, something like that. And this guy has more energy than 13, 12-year-olds. I mean, this guy is like, he's all over the place. And, and uh so he's up there doing his stick, you know, and man, God's sitting there just crushing my heart again. And I'm thinking, man, this is not good. I can't be here. This isn't great. My wife, beautiful young lady up here, went with the youth group and they went to a camp and got radically saved. They come back to the church. Well, I knew some of these. I was messing around with her best friend. You know, she was, she was a church girl, but she was a church girl, you know, and, uh, so her dad was a deacon, you know, I mean, and, uh, but so I knew some of these guys and they come back and they're giving their testimony, rocking my world. Cause I'm thinking they're talking about God talking to them. Someone's like, man, you know, I, I spent some time with God and he gave me this beautiful song. And other ones were saying, man, I, I'd spent some time with God and he gave me this scripture. And I'd spent some time with God and he told me I was going to do all these things. I was going to preach the gospel. I was going to, and I'm listening to these guys and I'm thinking, what in the world? They're crazy. How in the world? I know some of these guys, but then I'm thinking it has to be real, right? I mean, cause my wife is crazy, huh? 
She lived the same life I did, but on the reservation, right? Huh? So it was twice as crazy. But I'm listening to this, and I'm like, okay, God, if you can save these idiots, right? I went up, cried like a baby, got up, radically saved. I've never not served God since then. I've never been a roller coaster Christian. I didn't have my my times where I walked away from the Lord. I've served him. Not perfect. I make mistakes all the time. Huh? But insane. I just went out immediately, started telling people about Jesus. I mean, I didn't even know any of the Bible. I was just making it up as I was going. <laughs> you know? I, I'm like, man, hey, have you ever been saved? And they're like, what do you mean? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> I was at this church. You're talking this crazy talk. I was like, felt like I was having a heart attack. I went down front. I cried like a little girl. Huh? There was a puddle. People were swimming. Children was coming. You know, it was just crazy. And I would tell them, but man, man, I feel so clean. And then I wasn't ashamed. You know, a lot of people was like, man, I want to hide my past from people. I was that dumb guy that didn't know any better. My pastor had to come to me and say, hey, you know, you're scaring people. <laughs> you told that couple you killed two young men before you was 16 years old. And they was like, I don't think we can come to this church anymore. You know, we have small children. We don't know what this guy will do. He could relapse, you know. And, uh, and he's, like, he's like, you got to quit telling people, you know. But the deal was, is I really, I didn't know how bad I was. <laughs> I thought I was normal. And, uh, so, whoa, I just bit myself over here. Uh, I, I was just going out there and I was laying it out there for people. I'm like, no, you don't understand. This is the garbage I was in. Right. And so here I am. I had no scriptures. I didn't know anything. They had me repeat the magic words. I don't even know what they was at the time. It was like, say these words, you're going to be saved. And I was like, okay abracadabra, right? No, that's not it. Some of you guys are like, oh, devil, shaka, huh? But I didn't know what it was, but I was so appreciative, so excited, right? I didn't do anything to receive it. That was the thing that blew me away. The thing that blew me away. It wasn't that I got clean or I was a good person. I was horrible. I was worse than the time I came before, Right? But he still loved me. He still accepted me. He still chose me. It wasn't because I was good at football. It wasn't because I could fight. Huh? It wasn't because I was an excellent con artist. I was really good. You know, I was one of the richest, poor young kids in the world, probably. You know, I had all kinds of money all the time on me because I could steal your stuff and sell it to anybody. It was great. It's, I thought it was just. I didn't know of entrepreneurship back then. Now I'm a big believer in it, but I don't steal it, okay? I, well, except for this Jeep, but that's, that's a whole other thing we'll talk about later. But So I made this short-term investment in, right? All I had to do was believe in my heart, confess with my mouth. Jesus, Lord, and I was saved. I was saved. All the fullness of the word was given to me. All the promises that God made was there for me. All authority in heaven and earth in a moment was given to me to exercise, to do, and to use, even though I didn't know. Remember I told you, after I gave my heart to the Lord, I went out to eat pizza and started witnessing to a waitress 
and I had no scripture. I was sharing my story, right? But all authority and power in heaven and earth have been given unto me to share, right? I have no idea where I'm at in my notes here, so. Romans 10, verses 9 through 10. I already, I already read that. We'll go to the next one. I'm sorry. John 13, 34, and 35. Uh, I love this. Ron, if you're watching at home, Ron has heard me say this so much that he may be vomiting or repeating it right now. Uh, a new command I give you, right? Now, for those of you, this is Jesus. This is written in red, okay? A new command I give you right? There's all kinds of commands that's been out there. The 10 commandments, all the other kind of stuff. Jesus himself is getting ready to take the big long, right? And he says, hold on guys. I have something for you. I've got a new command, a new command I have for you. Love one another. Well, that's cool. Jesus is love, right? That's cool. But he raised the bar a little bit. He said, the way that I have loved you, love one another. Because by this, all men will know that you're my disciples if you have this kind of love for one another. When I really caught this scripture, it changed my life. It changed my life. Because before, I was a short-term guy, right? When I, was, when I was 17, I thought I may live to be 21. Right? I mean, I had a long-term goal, 21. If I made it to 21, I've, I've made it, you know? I hit 21, and crud, I just kept living. I don't know. It's crazy, but I would have done things different if I knew I was going to make it to 51, you know? I mean, I had a lot of people tell me, hey, you need to you know, take care of yourself. You need to do this and that. And, and I was always thinking, you're weak. I'm tough. You're not. Uh, I'm going to be fine. About 40-something, man, my body started going. I'd go to walk, and that knee would, wouldn't work anymore. You know, it's like, hey, whoa, whoa, huh? Should have made a long-term investment here. All I did was feed it, make it bigger. Spent a lot of money on it, but it wasn't healthy. But I read this passage of Scripture, and I'm like, wait a minute. This is different. And you have to think of this differently. Because a lot of people are like, yeah, sure, pastor, love. We all love each other. Oh, 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 oh. Not your love. Not your level of love. Not when somebody loves you back. But when somebody hates you. When somebody wants to kill you. When somebody wants your demise. Or your children's demise. Or on and on. See, Jesus, being perfect, never did anything wrong, didn't deserve to die. But he came with such a love that it confounded all the grand boobahs of their time. The people that, that had all these great knowledge, all the message, knew everything. He come in and he's like, guys, I'm going to really mess your life up. I'm going to love even though you don't deserve it. I'm going to die so that you can live. I'm going to give up everything so that you can have everything. See, he messed 
the world up. See, this type of love, this type of scripture, it's a long-term investment, right? When I give my heart to Jesus, I fell in love with him. I was a new creation. I was a brand new man. My life had been changed forever. But guess what? I put little into it. It grew and grew and grew, right? But once I got into this, I'm like, wait a minute. What about the heal, sick, raise the dead, do all these other kinds of stuff? Because that's what Christian people are supposed to do. It is. That's normal Christianity. You should be healing sick, raising the dead, casting out demons, all this other kind of stuff. He said that's going to be the signs that follow them who believe. We don't like to preach that because we don't do it. You know, so that's for the weird church, right? You know, I'm more of the non-weird church. I'm weird in my own way, you know, right? And, uh, but this is a long-term investment. Why? Because it costs you to love like that. It costs Jesus his life. That's what he was saying. I'm doing everything perfect, but I'm giving up everything for you and for everybody else who ever comes, whether I know you or not, right? That's a long-term investment. Why? Because you got to keep working on it. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8. Right? I'm trying to adjust my notes here. Love is patient. Love is kind. Amen? I mean, how many of you guys, how many of you guys got the corner on patience and kindness? Right? Huh? We don't even like to talk. That's cussing in church right there. Huh? <laughs> It does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, huh? It keeps no record of wrong. Love doesn't delight in evil but rejects but rejoices in the truth. It is always always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always preserves. We're just going to get that beginning of the next one. Love never fails right love never fails i don't know about you but i i I don't even live up to a third of the things i just read off huh i mean if i had white out i'd have to white out most of that and then love never fails right huh or maybe you're you're great at being kind to people but you really kind of hate them but, you know, you're just being kind because you have to. And in-laws. You know, I mean, oh, I'm sorry. I love mine. You know, yeah, yeah. Huh? But, but it's a long-term investment. You have to do it. You have to work on it, right? Huh? You have to learn not to be envious. You have to learn not to be selfish. You have to learn. There's this, there's a long sermon that I could do about perfection and how that ties in with love because Jesus is doing this one teaching and he talks about perfection. Then he uses those very same words in a whole nother group of things and he starts talking about the perfection that comes to you in your life and it all has to do with being tied back to love. The Bible talks about also that you can do all the gifts. You can be all, you can prophesy, you can raise the dead, you can heal the sick, you can cast out demons. You can know every scripture. But it's still less than love. I don't know about you, but I didn't trust nobody. 
definitely didn't love nobody. I didn't even love myself. I didn't know how to. Until I met him. And I was like, this is love. I made a very short-term commitment. I didn't even know if I'd be able to stick with it. Right? They told me after they give me the magic words, they said, they said, now you need to go read your Bible and pray. And I'm like, okay. And I left there and went and asked my heathen mother, <laughs> do you got a Bible? They give me this family Bible that my stepdad had, this big, massive leather thing that had never been used. I mean, it had the gold edges on the paper, right? Now, you got to remember, I couldn't read. I could get I and the and is. You know, I had those down. Much past here, I was like, the Lord is, huh? Not joking. You can ask my wife, huh? She knew me back then. She had to go to school with me. And I'd be like, hey, can you help me? I want to learn, you know? And she's like, oh, yeah, okay, well, let's go through this. And she's like, you're an idiot. Give me your papers. I'm going to do these things, right? And I'm like, hey, I'm trying to learn. She's like, we're learning right now that you're dumb, okay? Just let me. They give me an aptitude test after I got saved because I went to school. And I said, hey, I've been on the play pass program down in Missouri. It's a wonderful thing. I encourage everybody to do it. But I give my heart to Jesus. And so I want to be more. And they're like, okay, weirdo, right? No kid comes in here and says that stuff. And so they give me an aptitude test. After I took the test, they come back and said, we can't help you, right? You're so far behind, but we'll give you special classes, you know? And so I took all these crazy little classes that really meant nothing. I took a mythological ink drawing class. That was my senior English class. And, uh, and I got an A. You know? Huh? I had all the football coaches that you could have to teach subjects and everything. It was wonderful. And, uh, but I had some teachers that took interest in me, right? So, but I learned how to read by trying to sound out the Bible. I laid in my room for weeks going through withdrawals, the insanity in my brain. I fell asleep on that old Bible. My face would be stuck to it, slobber all over the place. It was horrible. Huh? But I learned how to read. That was a long-term investment. It didn't happen. Salvation was easy, Jesus. I believe in you if you're real. I want you to save me if you can. Right? I wasn't even real confident, <laughs> you know, in my salvation. Very short. Didn't cost me much. Little tears and embarrassment up front because I wasn't a crier. The more I tried not to cry, I sounded like a beaten seal that was struck. <laughs> you know? When you're trying to be tough, that's not tough. Not tough. Church was packed. It was horrible. That's why I stayed down there for so long. It wasn't that Jesus was doing a good work. I'm just like, I want everybody to leave. <laughs> I don't want them to see my face. Longer term investment. You got to talk to the Larsons about the title. I know Jesse, he will sell anything for a price. 
Doesn't matter how much his wife loves it. It is for sale. So it's going to cost you a little bit more. You're going to have to wait a little bit longer because you couldn't leave here with the keys today if you're waiting on the title. Not that I don't trust you, but, you know, somebody else might not. But in God, he's for both. He doesn't care about if it's a short-term investment. Don't let the devil beat you up. Maybe you haven't done anything. Maybe you stopped with salvation. But that's not where he wants to leave you. That's not his good and pleasing perfect will for you. If you meant that small investment, then you've been locked into a long-term investment. He wants to bring you to a place of perfection. Not the type of perfection that we're thinking, but to where we can walk these things out. How many of you guys want to see people saved? Yeah? You want people to know about Jesus? It's so simple. Love like him. If you love like him, Jesus said, not anybody else, Jesus said, all men will know that you're real by this act of love. You have to work on it. It's not easy. Huh? Having to love on people that used to hold you down to do horrible things to you. That's not natural. Huh? But with God, it's possible. Right? To go to people that you used to steal from and say, hey, man, will you forgive me? Because when I was young, I was a thief and I stole from you. Go to people and say, hey, I know that I did horrible things to you because my mind was broken. Hey, I know that I got you addicted to drugs and you're 45 years old now and you're still addicted to drugs and doing horrible things, man. That's me. Lay that on me. It's not your fault. But man, let me tell you a different way. One thing that's awesome about God Your investment's always safe. I'm not saying it's going to be easy. I'm not saying you're not going to get hurt. I'm not saying people aren't going to take advantage of you. But what I am saying is nobody outgives him. I was born super poor. Like we were so poor, poor people called us poor. Like we lived in the poor neighborhood in the ghetto and the parents was like, no, you can't go play with those kids. That's bad, right? But today I'm back in that same town and I own a big portion of that town now. I'm blessed beyond measure. I own a bunch of different businesses. Nothing I ever planned on doing. It was a challenge God gave me. And I'm not a super smart person. Remember, I couldn't read at 17. But God called me back to my hometown where I did all my evil. And I made him a promise. God, I'm going to change the way that people think about you. I'm going to change the way that people think about church. And I'm going to change the world. And now that's my challenge to do. And so I do it in every aspect, spirit, soul, and body. Financially, physically, emotionally, doesn't matter. I'm invested in it. We've been doing some stuff. I know I'm coming up on time, but we've been doing some stuff 
to where we've got groups of people that are just your normal, everyday people that are just going out on the streets. We do a little class. They go out on the streets. They're not special by any means. Some of them are little itty-bitty guys. You know, some of them's only been saved for a couple weeks. But we send them out just amongst normal people, and we ask people, hey, can I pray for you? Some people say no. Some people say yes. We've had itty-bitties. Don't know anything about nothing. Pray for people and miraculously healed right on the spot of everything that you can think of. It's not that they're special. They've just been given opportunity. They've stepped out and they said, okay, God, salvation was free. But a real Christian, right? Just because you're sitting in these chairs doesn't mean you're a real Christian. A real Christian invests herself beyond just saying the magic words. The magic words are awesome, but you're supposed to go beyond there. He wants you to be like him. Jesus said, love like me. That means you have to get out of your comfort zone. That means you have to go to people that don't deserve it. The people that you know are going to ridicule you and try to kill you and do all these other kinds of things. But a real Christian takes a chance and goes out there and says, hey, I suck, but I know he's great. What are you, what's your problem? Let me pray for you. And you don't have to know an awesome prayer. I was sharing with this lovely couple here. We is in Jennings, Oklahoma, and whoa, I should have went the other way. And we was pastoring this little church. Nobody liked me. I was 20 some odd years old. I had spiky hair. I wasn't churched well. Uh, we did radical music. And, uh, but a lady come to church. She said, I'm sick. I'm like, cool. God can heal you. Jesus, touch your healer. Amen. Right? She comes back next week. She says, I'm healed. I'm like, cool, awesome, great. She said, no, you don't understand. I had cancer. I said, oh, okay, cool. You felt like you had cancer. And uh, she's like, no. I went back to my doctor. My blood was full of it. It was over. Let's <laughs> tell you how observant I was. She had on the turban, right? I didn't even pay attention. <laughs> I was like, oh, pray for you. Jesus, touch her, you know, spiritual. I'm really spiritual. And God healed this lady. It wasn't anything special on us. Somebody said, hey, I need prayer. And I said, okay. I didn't know the scriptures about healing. I didn't know any of this. My pastor wasn't big into doing it. I didn't get the Holy Ghost goosebumps. I just did it. And because of it, she was healed. I was sharing with them. We grew the church was bigger than the town. We had more people come to church than actually lived in the town. They was coming from far away because they wanted to be healed, right? We prayed for some people they was healed. We prayed for some people they wasn't. Today, I pray for some people they're healed. Some people aren't. I've got deathly ill, been in the hospital. They've tried to kill me with all kinds of stuff. But when I was at my weakest, it seemed like everybody I prayed for was healed. Go and figure, right? What, you're dying? You shouldn't pray for people to be healed because you're dying, that doesn't make any sense. But you go ahead and do it anyway. Why? Because it's not you. Your body may be dying, but his is still full of power and authority. And so you just put it out there. I'm just letting him be him through me. Right? Those are real Christian stuff. Right? Not showing up to church. I want you to be faithful. That is also a sign of a good Christian person or a Christian in general. 
huh? But I need you to be faithful every day. God needs you to be faithful. Your other church members need you to be at this town. Your relatives, whoever you come, who's next to you at the gas station, they need you to be faithful. Don't worry about being holy enough to make it there. God used a donkey in the Bible to prophesy. It only happened one time that I know of. I've seen the most radicalist things happen out on the street when it's not supposed to happen. We want to see signs, wonders, and miracles in the church, but it's never going to happen here if it's not happening out there because you have to be you in him out there so he can be him out of you. It's that simple. Short-term investment, you're still going to make it to heaven. You'll grow at a slow rate. Or you can invest everything that you have and say, man, I'm going to live like I know that there's a heaven. I'm going to live like I know there's a God. I'm going to live like I know that I'm an eternal being that's going to be around forever. This is just a testing ground. It's a great revivalist. Saucy was making fun of me with Chris and Chrissy last night about it. I read this quote by him, and he said, they was asking him, why do people come out to hear you speak? Because this guy was boring. He really was boring. And he said, I set myself on fire, and people come to watch me burn. I heard that quote, and I'm like, that is mine, right? <laughs> Huh? I mean, I got the hair for it, do you know? I mean, and so our network that we're with now spends most of their time praying and stopping me from doing things. It's like a war will break out in the country and I'm trying to buy tickets and, you know, go over there, you know, because I'm that guy. Some people run into it. Other people run from it. God made me to run in, right? And it's cool if you run away from it. It's totally cool. Just pray for me, Right? Uh, those of you that run away, just like, Jesus, touch them and help them. You know, <laughs> you know, I don't understand why they're so weird, you know. And, uh, but we all have a part. Do it. Everybody's called to reconciliation. All of us are called to bring people to Jesus. All of us are called to heal people. All of us are called extremely to love. All of us. I don't know how to do these things. Just start loving people. Start with the love that you have and continue to ask for more. If you do this, not only will you change the environment that you're in, but you will change the world. You'll change it. People will come and start asking you, why are you different? And your response isn't because I'm holy, because I read, because I pray eight hours a day. It's going to be, man, I fell in love with this guy. And in return... I can't help but fall in love with everybody else. I'm invested in this for a long term. Me and my wife, when God asks us to do something, we don't go to our checkbook to see if we can afford it. We do it. I'm not trying to get your money. We're not taking up a special offering. But every time God's asked us to move and go to a new location, it made no sense. But every time we saw greater and greater things happen. One day you will hear either I gave my life for the gospel somewhere being a moron. Huh? Or God had to yank me out of this planet because 
They just couldn't handle me anymore. But either way, I'm going to go on fire. I'm going to make a scene, you know. There's too many people out there hurting. And we think, well, you know, people don't, you know, during COVID, I'll share this, Chris, and I'll be done. During COVID, I ended up in the hospital because uh, some problems with my guts. It's perfect time to be in the hospital, right? Everybody's dying. They have all this stuff happening. Everybody's scared. Doctors scared. Nurses scared. Everybody's scared. It was, a, you know, just doom and gloom, you know. They tried to confine me to a room. I'm not that guy, right? Huh? And so I'm going into the COVID unit. You're not supposed to go in there, right? And I had my made-up Dallas Cowboys mask on, huh? And I went in there, and I'm praying with people at the end of their life. I'm praying for their family members. I'm, I'm praying for the nurses. I'm praying for the doctors and everything. I got out of there. I had to go back in because so, they did it wrong, and they had to redo me again. I went back in there. This time when I went in, the nurses and doctors was bringing people to me. It wasn't anything special. Nobody was touching anybody. Nobody was hugging. And man, I'd grab a hold of these people and I'd hold them. I'd cry with them. I'd love them. I'd kiss them on their little old head. Huh? I never got COVID. And I should have. I was cut from here to here several times. Huh? Raging infections. I mean, all kinds of dumb stuff. But the whole time I'm doing all the stuff I'm not supposed to. I'm not saying for anybody to do that, you know. Some of us are special weird. I go into places where there's great disease all the time and do all the stuff I'm not supposed to. Chrissy would be very angry with me, but it's my gift to be special. And, but people are looking for that, man. Even the people you think that don't want to be hugged. I have people that hate everybody in the world and I'm hugging them all the time. And now when they see me, they're like, hey, are you going to give me a hug? I'm talking big, burly, angry people. You know, people want to be loved. It's our responsibility and our job. Amen? Amen. Do you want me to pray them out or you want to do it? All right. There's snacks in the back afterwards, guys. Let's talk to him. Amen. Father God, we love you, Lord. God, I'm so appreciative, God, that you invested in us. And God, every person in here, whatever level they're invested with you, God, I pray that you set it on fire inside of them. God, like, let it be like your prophet, God, that said, it's a fire in my bones. I can't shut up. I can't stop. God, the world now more than ever before needs your people to really walk in love. So God, let us invest in our communities and the places around us in one another. Father God, so we can see this, this world one with your love, with your gospel, with your truth. Lord Jesus, rest upon them. God, even as they sleep tonight, God, let them, let them have visions, God, of just even ways that you're going to challenge them. God, to step outside of their self and to love on others. Lord Jesus, according to your word, let all this be done. Not my word, but Father God, according to your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Go change the world. You're dismissed. As I often do, but every song must end, and you never do. 
Oh.